fancy meeting you lot here. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the very 198th episode of the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast brought to you live from Shucks, the convention that we do in Vancouver, which has people in the audience right now. Give us a round of applause, everybody! <laughs> And as a very special guest for this episode of the podcast, we would like to introduce someone you haven't seen for a couple of days. It's a tremendously unwell Matthew Lee. <laughs> hey, what's up, Shucks? How are you feeling? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm actually doing all right. I'm doing better than I was. I'm doing better than I was. And I, I figured that this podcast, I hope, was all about everyone talking about all the things that they've been doing during the show and things they've been playing during the show. So I had to be here. <laughs> what should, put your hand up if you played a board game this weekend. Put your hand up if you appeared on a live show this weekend. Put your hand up if you slept for 36 hours in the past 48 hours. <laughs> I don't know how I did it, but I'd like to thank Ritz Cracker Biscuits. <laughs> um, let's quickly introduce ourselves. My name, we'll, do, we'll go left to right. Who are you? Tom Brewster. Uh, I was unsure of myself at this point. <laughs> Quentin Smith. Pip War. Ava Fox for the special unlockable unwell edition of Matt Lee's. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay, we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of games we played this weekend, but I wanted to start with a quick anecdote, a sort of combination comedy-horror anecdote. Uh, I was in the toilet earlier. Uh, I, I was sat on, on the throne, and uh, I was sort of looking at the floor because I was quite tired. And then I looked up, and the door... Like, my pants are around my ankles at this point. <laughs> and the door was just very slowly barn-dooring open. <laughs> so that would have been a very special, rare experience for a Shut Up and Down fan. <laughs> Thank God nobody walked as I wobbled my way over towards the door, which, because it was a disabled toilet, was a good five feet away. Uh, and then I closed the door and locked it and that did not perform a sex crime. <laughs> uh, I mean, we've all been there, just not literally at our own convention, where a thousand plus people are there and know exactly who you are. That is, that's hellish. That's worse than anything I've endured this weekend. Uh, and before we get into the games, we also just want to mention here that during the signing, uh, someone is at their bachelor party at Shucks. Uh, oh, hey, they're right here. Yeah. Uh, now, sir, what's your name? Uh, Jared. Ja Jared? Jared. Yeah. Okay, nailed it. <laughs> um, Pip, would you like to explain how Jared proposed uh, to his partner? It was uh, using the wonderful tool of uh, Quacks of Quedlinburg. <laughs> I believe, and Jared will have to correct me if I get this wrong, but uh, there was diamond ring in bag situation, and it took five pulls <laughs> to, to get to the ring, and everybody, I believe, was uh, waiting, cameras sort of surreptitiously <laughs> positioned, and uh, yeah that transitioned into the uh, engagement party pretty smoothly, right? The foot, the foot would, just... would, would the wedding have been off if you got seven of the little white things? Just checking. Okay, great. Um, uh, it's an amazing video. Uh, I got shown the whole video and it's just, it's, it's Jared's partner pulling stuff out of the bag and looking increasingly annoyed every time. <laughs> and then when she pulls the ring, she, because she realizes what happens, she looks even more annoyed. 
Um, I wanted a pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Uh, so let's get into some gosh darn board games that we have played this weekend at our convention. That is shucks. Here. Uh, Tom, uh, would you like to explain the game we're going to kick off with? Just a little game we'll spend a little time with. Uh, Hair of the Dog from Cherry Picked Games. I can't believe you've picked one that's deep into this slideshow. So we're going to do full spoilers as we go through all of these. Oh, uh, no. Oh, oh, no. Oh, I've ruined it. There we go. It's Hair of the Dog. Uh, am I explaining this one? Am I telling you about what this game is? Thank you. Thank you. It was very professional, wasn't it? Uh, this is a game where you are... <laughs> we thought that you were dog owners going to hang out at a bar to pet dogs. No, you do not have a dog. You're just trying to pet one. Which conjures this amazing image of like all of us just like slightly sweaty, noses pressed against the glass, like... Let us touch the dogs. <laughs> uh, so in this game, you are a squirrel. You're not really a squirrel. They just forgot their player pawns. Uh, and you're wandering around a little bar area made up of these tiles. And on those tiles, there are dogs. And what you're going to be doing during the game is going up to the dog and trying to pet them. And the way that you do this is by spending sips. Because this is a bar. You've paid for a drink and when that drink is finished, you will be immediately kicked out. Uh, so you have to spend a sip to move around and you move to the next tile. You spend a sip to slowly reach your arm over to the dog and give him a little rub. But then there's also a very, very How strange... How scary are these dogs? Do you need yeah. to take a sip just to reach towards them? They are scared of you in this game. Because you have to find out the very specific needs of the dogs that will allow you to give them a little rub. I mean, this sounds like a game in which you're an alcoholic trying <laughs> to stroke other people's lovely dogs. <laughs> in which case, I have several friends who will be suing on copyright basis. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's... Oh, the thing that's kind of great about it is that so all the dogs have their very like specific needs. Well, they don't initially. Oh, yeah. Initially, you can just go and rub any dog. It's a free-for-all. <laughs> then every time a dog gets touched, it becomes increasingly grumpy. <laughs> and then you have to bring them like a treat, or you have to like bring them away from other people to give them rub, which is very sinister, <laughs> like bringing a dog into its own little room just for your... Anyway. I think I want to report this game to the RSPCA. <laughs> <laughs> but my favourite thing is that, so the dogs have little tokens on them which like show you the requirements, but you look at them privately. So there's a great thing where, because there's four people, up to eight people yeah. round the table And then the cafe gets bigger, at which point you're playing it in some kind of like <laughs> massive sprawling Weatherspoons. <laughs> What's a large Canadian chain bar? Brew house, okay. That's that, a good name. Could have guessed for a, that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like if you play with eight players, the place is mad. It's a sports hall full of dogs that you're all sprinting after. But I love that it's also kind of a negotiation game because you find out what that dog needs, and then someone will be like, "I want to pet that dog. Can you can you tell me how annoyed it is? <laughs> can you give me some treats?" And yeah. That's a, it's a wonderful little weird thing that we've got to play. It definitely could have been rethemed. It almost felt more to me like a kind of CIA versus KGB spy versus spy <laughs> 1960s. Because you're walking around like clinking drinks. There's a mechanic at the end of every round. Oh, yeah. You can pick a player to be like, we're both going to lose two sips, which is basically you go to them in the bar and you're like, hey, what are you doing? And you both have to stand there drinking for some indeterminate number of like minutes. And you're so you're like, you're not going to touch any of these dogs. I'm going to keep talking to you about the weather or whatever for... Minutes and then, Pip, what did you what did you think of this one? Were you there? I wasn't there. No. Great, cool. I've heard what do you it think of this? So many like because uh, there were a bunch of people who have mentioned it to me, and I kept thinking I should play that. I really should play that. And then I just sort of I I think I just wanted to to see dogs, so I literally <laughs> went outside the convention center, and there was like a husky right there, and I just had a nice time. 
Wow. <laughs> Uh, but why don't I? Why aren't more board game reviews like that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell you what, let me do a slightly better job as moderator and cue Pip up with a game she's actually played. Uh, do you want to talk about the oldest game on this podcast, a game you were given by a friend of the show, Jonathan Ying, Dutch Blitz from 1960? <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it, so we got to chatting after the show on Friday, I think. I was face first in a bowl of poutine at the time, and why did I? confess to that like no one needed to know that anyway um and so jonathan was just very excitedly telling me all about this competitive solitaire thing that was happening and i've been playing quite a lot on my phone of a weaponized solitaire and i was like this is brilliant this is great and so um he turned up at some point and was just kind of like uh yeah i i picked it up let's play and we ava was there as well we fully just got into it you have a deck of cards each uh, numbered one to nine one, nine? To, ten, one, one to, ten, to ten one to ten four different colours <laughs> four different colours but also two suits for a secret advanced mode that Jonathan told me about that he didn't that tell me about no, this no yeah you'd left he also <laughs> didn't tell me about the win condition with the blitz thing either until yeah, the very no. end of that way. anyway so um, you've got your big deck of cards you put some of them face up in front of you so they're a pool that you draw from you've also got a little a little pile of ten over to one side only one of them is up so you've got to get rid of all ten of these and then shout blitz a very critical piece of information jonathan <laughs> ying and everyone is just sort of you have to put down a one of whatever colored suit it is in the middle you say what you're putting down and then everybody else is lunging to put the two of whatever that color is the three the four the five the six you can tell where this is going <laughs> when you Seven. get fully to 10 you have to just turn that thing over and as soon as you have run out of your 10 cards pile here that is when you yell blitz the game is over you go to the middle and everybody quietly tragically picks through the remnants of their card piles to find out who has won if you put (laughs) down the most of your color you are the winner it's pretty great. It's it's one of those games that it really reminded me of, you know, the ones that you play at lunchtime when you're at school and they're kind of fast and furious and eventually they get banned because somebody broke a finger. <laughs> but, you I know. can absolutely see fingers being broken with this game. One of the thi- one of the one of the things that's slightly odd about this is as well as having this little deck of cards in front of you, you've also got the rest of your deck in your hand. And you're allowed to draw from that in a hand. (laughs) And you're allowed to draw from that, like, three cards at a time, like in certain solitaire games. So you go get three cards, look at the top, and you can put those out into the middle when it's at the top of the thing, but you can only go through it in threes. So this is for breaking deadlocks if there's if there's not enough on the board already but this isn't actually helpful to you you get like one point for putting something into the middle but you lose two points for every card left in your little stack in front of you on the table so you're supposed to be focusing on your table but your hands are always reaching for these three cards so you end up doing that one instead of that one and Everything on the table can be moved on and you've got to just be thinking about all of them and every time someone says a word you just go, ah! Mm-hmm. I, I think this is the game that like, made me stim the most. Like, I've never actually <laughs> ended up like, flapping my hands 
with excitement <laughs> during a game, like just because I am trying to remember what numbers are on the board. Like this is not an experience I've had before with any game, therefore this may be technically the most exciting game I've ever played. <laughs> <laughs> Which is weird. <laughs> is it, I want to say that a Dutch Blitz, is it, can, be, can it be played with a regular deck of cards? Yeah, so you can remove the, um, if you remove the face cards, um, wow. Then you've got one to ten of four different oh, hey, suits. Hey. It's more of a Swedish blitz at that point. <laughs> you just need Are the you... backs to be a different colour so you can pick out who's... Nice, nice. Yeah, you've got to have a different middle. deck for each person, basically. But yeah, shouting, yelling, numbers going up. All of my boxes are ticked. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> nice. Nailed it. That was Dutch Blitz, published in 1960. We're saying the year it was published because I didn't have the publisher written down. I suspect it's like, I, I would be very surprised if it's not a game that's older than that. I suspect that. It's oh, I like, see. Yeah, it's probably, I, yeah I no, probably the edition on BGG is 1960, right. but actually it yeah, yeah. dates don't, all the way back to like 300 BC. Don't yeah. make me change the, to the slide. <laughs> I had a slide. It said Dutch Blitz from 1960. Don't make a liar of Tom. Yeah. Hey, Matt. And you know it's a fact because there's five exclamation marks. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, do you want to hear about maybe my favourite game that I played this weekend? Yeah. Do you want to, you've been in bed. Meanwhile, I'm going to say about the lap of luxury I was in. Okay. So me, Pip, and Tom played a bit of this. This is bagged and boarded from Octorath Games. Matt, you're going to get increasingly excited as I tell you about this. I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> this morning I managed to eat some yogurt. That's been the highlight of my weekend. <laughs> okay, bagged and boarded from Octoroff. Please, Office. tell me about a board game. <laughs> uh, remember Bits and Mortar, published by Octoroff? That was a weird interesting thing. Yeah, it's kind of too much, but good. Okay, so bagged and boarded is a game, is a, the, maybe the first Euro game where everyone plays a nine-year-old. <laughs> um, this is a game uh, where the designer really loves collecting comics, and that is the theme of this game. Um, it's also heavily based around the card game Rummy, which is a really interesting uh, foundation, but you lot don't care about that. You care about theme, you care about what's happening. So here's what we got. Everyone gets a bunch of cubes in the kind of worker placement situation. Those cubes represent hours in the day. So if you want to visit the comic book store, you have to first spend an hour just to get there. So while you're there, you probably want to do stuff. It, the point of this game is to turn your child doing like chores, like Pip was like, you know, painting a fence. Like, like you can spend hours of the day like cleaning dishes. Maybe you get $5 here, $5 there. Ultimately though, you want to make about a grand in this game. That's like <laughs> the goal. And the way you're gonna be doing this is there's a huge deck of cards representing comic books. And even though right now this early prototype, because this game is only gonna come to Kickstarter like next year, the, the prototype cards are already hilarious. So <laughs> every card is a different issue of a comic. What is it? Pip, Pip got immediately obsessed with a Garfield knockoff called Garfunkel? Yeah, uh, you can actually, I believe, see Garfunkel. It's the red card furthest to the left. Uh, Tom and I immediately started fighting over Garfunkel, the adorably uh, cat who's just been put through a washing machine, uh, protagonist of presumably the Garfunkel series. Uh, uh, I become quite obsessed with a superhero called Businessman. Oh. <laughs> Uh, mm. Tom, you quite were interested in a weird comic just called Troll. <laughs> I got kind of obsessed with you. Not that you people managed to see this because I was just rooting around the bargain bin for it over and over again. <laughs> but I got kind of obsessed with Hover Girl, which is just a girl on a hoverboard. Not like not like a sixties hoverboard, like just one of those like Segway. Yeah. Um, so, but but mechanically, like so, this game is so richly thematic and so and mechanically so interesting. So. 
the way that it works is all comic books are worth $10 by default, but as you collect them, as you go to the comic book store where you can rummage around the bargain bin looking for things, or you can pre-order comics, you can go to the comics convention, which let me tell you is ages away. <laughs> you can travel to go to a convention, seems real dumb. Um, but at the comics convention, you can pick up swag bags. What's in there? Random comics, but you don't know if you want them or not. You can get your comics signed. Uh, you can also pre... You can, if you go to the comics convention, you can get issues before they even arrive at the comic book store. Mm. And ultimately, the game's discard pile is the bargain bin of the comic book store. You can search online for comics. So it's all, really, it's a whole bunch of different mechanics to look through decks. And the cards are sort of sluicing around the board. Matt's nodding. Matt's really excited. <laughs> Matt, Matt's loving life. <laughs> it's just a really clever way of theming lots of different decks and discards. Yeah, yeah, it's really clever. And then what you've got, but the, the problem is very rap, like all of this costs money. And so as children, <laughs> you don't have a lot of that. So the way that you're, you can sell comic books, you can get them autographed and sell them, which makes you a bit more money, but really, comics are only going to become valuable as you, uh, display, as you display them. them, yes. So when you have comics, when you create sets of comics, there has to be at least three issues. You put out those sets on display, and you have to do that because there's not a lot of room in your bedroom for comic books, and ultimately you're all broke, so you do display stuff. But the moment you're like, okay, I'm collecting, you know, Hovergirl, Businessman, Garfunkel. If <laughs> Pip puts out issues two through four of Garfunkel, that's great. She's made room in her bedroom. But then Garfunkel's become more expensive for everybody. So whatever you're collecting, you're kind of, you have to make money by displaying stuff, which explodes the value of comics. But the moment you do that, those comics become more valuable for everybody. Suddenly, your friends are driving to the comic book store to try and pre-order Garfunkels before they even get to the comic book <laughs> store. Um, Everyone's it, gone mad for Garfunkel. Yeah, what my, my favorite thing was Tom trying to get the advantage for getting to do things first in the turn order by going to bed early. Yeah. <laughs> which, like, that you That's can how it works. <laughs> and then it's like, you know, the idea that Tom is outside the comic book store at 5 a.m. just staring dead-eyed through the glass. <laughs> also, the fact that you can go to bed a bit early, but you can go to bed really, really, really early by spending four hours, <laughs> at which point I just imagine these nine-year-olds guzzling NyQuil to just <laughs> put themselves into a coma and then wake up at 3 a.m. ready to go to get Garfunkel issue two. Well, this was the thing, though, because, like, so Tom's, like idea for getting an edge was to go to bed really <laughs> early. My idea was just, I'm going to put all of my cubes in chores. Yep. And it was like to the point where I think I'd probably rebuilt my parents' house. <laughs> it was kind of like... You spent, you, what, what chore does a child do that takes seven hours? <laughs> that's, that's not chores. That's not legal. <laughs> we were like sort of running a get rich squeak, scheme. A get rich scheme where we were trying to like grab comics and flip them for a profit. Like we were, you know, really sort of like, I don't know, nickel and diamond these comic book stores, whereas Pip was just doing good, honest work. Yeah. I had a job. <laughs> it's like, then there's loads of mechanics. It, it's just endlessly funny. It's a, it's, an it's a key example of what Shut Up and Sit Down says, where the best funny games don't have punchlines. They just have mechanics which become like intrinsically mm. hilarious. Like, if you go to the bargain, <laughs> like, this is, this is, I'm going to try and make this sound as funny as it was in the game. There's two ways to sort of like rummage through cheap comics. One of which is to go online, which lets you look at like a lot of comics, but you can only buy one. If you go to the bargain bin store, you can rummage through some, but then it, like, it becomes increasingly clear that this is the stuff nobody else wanted. Mm -hmm. And it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> we were just busting a gut, Googling comics online, and then you, then, then you find a comic that you know your friend's looking for on like eBay, and it's the best feeling in the world. <laughs> it was the thing that I love, which is it, 
the role play comes from the system. Yes. Like yeah. you can't not fall into it by accident. It's you don't have to meet it halfway uh, or anything. It's yeah. like, okay, yeah, I'm a, I'm a nine-year-old. Brilliant. Let's go. <laughs> and, and Garfunkel. One Major. of the one of the smartest ways that the game does that is like the fact that you pointed this out, where all the comics are worth ten bucks at the start, but you do a card draft to determine who gets, you know, it's like your starting comics. comic collection. Yeah, your your starting comic collection. But because everything's literally worth exactly the same, you just pick what you like. Yeah. Which is really like. I just, it's sweet. It's lovely. And I was like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a Garfunkel boy. <laughs> Took them all away. <laughs> yeah, just absolutely terrific. And um, we'll definitely be covering this more, but it'll be coming to Kickstarter next year, so it's very, very far away. Um, speaking of games that are quite far away, uh, we are going to talk about another incredibly complicated game. And this one's going to be even harder to describe. <laughs> Let's talk a bit about Harrow County. Oh, no. By Off the Page <laughs> Games. Now, we haven't played this. We just got walked through it, and it'll be coming to Kickstarter. Ooh, I want to say actually maybe today. Um, so, if you saw the Shut Up and Sit Down review of Mind Management, um, uh, Off the Page Games do, uh, Jay Cormier works with, it turns out, I'm talking to him today, um, he works with comic book designers that he just wants to work with, and then he works with them really closely, which is why if you play Mind Management, it doesn't feel like a cynical tie-in, it feels like, like it could be almost a chapter of the comic, it's, it's super bizarre. This, Harrow County is another comic, and he's turned it into a vast or root style bizarre asymmetric game that is maybe the most unusual thing on the Shut Up and Sit Down show floor right now. Now, the reason this is gonna be hard to describe is I'm terrible with names. Pippa's remembered all the names from our demo. <laughs> I just about remember a lot of the mechanics and then Tom remembers nothing. <laughs> well, that's fun. Do you? That's um, proper asymmetry though. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Pip, do you want to start if you remember the sort of story of Harrow County? I believe uh, the townsfolk uh, essentially killed the person they assumed was a witch called Hester and buried her under a tree. Um, it's a great start to a board game. <laughs> <laughs> Hester's family have basically come back to destroy the townsfolk while Emmy, uh, the protector of the town, is trying to keep everybody safe from all of the terrible, terrible things that are happening. Yes, and so, oh goodness gracious, we've got a hex board here, and mechanically, a <laughs> uh, woman who's protecting the town's called Emmy. Emmy is, the person playing Emmy is, who's got weird little gremlin creatures, is trying to create chains of gremlins who are going to like, helpfully lead kind of uh, people in the village by the hand back to Emmy's house. However, the other, the family, who is led by someone called Oh, Hester is the evil one, and I can't Hester. remember the, no. um, the, the, Hester her, is the witch? her descendant. Okay, great. Fighting, well, all right. Yeah. So then there's also family people who are creating storms on the board, which make it increasingly difficult for people to walk through. And then kind of like mind management, the game's only going to get more complicated as you go. <laughs> but like where mind management is like, uh, you know, gradually you unlock cool little tools for people to use. In Harrow County, after playing five games, it goes from being a two-player game to a three-player asymmetric yes. game. Introducing the witch actually finally arrives after you play three games of Harrow County and in my favorite Miniature that we've got the way the witch works is that she can take control of the weird little gremlin creatures that people are summoning By placing a snake in their ear and at that point you notice the miniatures have tiny holes in their ears So you've got a <laughs> tiny gremlin with a like a snake straight as a pencil sitting out of their ear the witch is then hijacking uh, Tom, what do you remember? This whole game was like a fever dream. Oh, yeah. should we mention the, the box? box? Yeah, the box is great. Like, it's designed so that um, on the left-hand side, there's a drawing of the tree. But, like, um, you drop uh, your, your counters into the top, the little blocks, to, yeah. um, to resolve encounters. And as they 
fall through the box. There's a few different layers where it, you know it sort of rattles things around. Things can get it's stuck. A, it's a dice tower, or like a, a dice tower with baffles. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when they come out, you're not entirely sure if you've uh, had a few turns. You can also <laughs> knock things that were still in there loose. Yeah, you know, it's kind of that extra layer of chaos. But then, um, so that is like the tree design. It's like it, it f they fall through the tree and out of the front of the box. And then if you flip the box ever so slightly so you can see where the tree roots go down the side you can see Hester like kind of clambering out of the <laughs> ground so it's like game like the dice tower is built into the box mm -hmm. like right there super bit like so which means yeah, the front of the box has a little flap <laughs> yeah <Tricky. laughs> like a, the, the box has a cat flap on it it's like it's just the most bizarre thing Tom what am which I which is handy if you have cats that like sitting in board game boxes right well if you have <laughs> tiny like three inch cats oh <laughs> can we get me a tiny three inch cat we'll work on that Ava uh, Tom, do you remember anything about Arrow County? No. no. Okay. <laughs> there was bag building at some point. That's correct. There was like a purple player board. It was really a fever dream. You said to, to Jay, you were like, you don't make this job easy for yourself, do you? <laughs> like every single, there was like, oh, it, it, looks, it looks really simple on the table. It's just got some like little, and I, I, it probably is relatively simple to play. You're just adding in all of these like really odd layers that kind of wrinkle up the game and different powers and yeah, like really and radically. Every box contains an act tiny witch <laughs> I would not be so, they are exactly the publisher to do something like that it's like rip open the like open the dice tower and see what's inside every box yeah. you are now cursed <laughs> Uh, okay, well, that was Harrow County by Off The Page Games on Kickstarter now. Absolutely. But go and look at the Kickstarter pages. Google it. Look at it right now. Don't do it right now. We're not today, or it might be tomorrow. It might be tomorrow. Could I might have got that tomorrow. wrong. Let's talk about a game we've actually played. Ava, <laughs> would you like to talk about Starry Night Sky by Buffalo Games? Um, I would love to. This is a game I got a little demo of from uh, Emma Larkin. It's going to be out next year, but it's all uh, sorted out and finished at this point. Um, it is a game of, it's the second game I've looked at recently that is about uh, discovering constellations in the sky um, uh, by placing, in this case, you're placing little star colors, the, the three different colors of stars. You collect three of them at the beginning of your turn and then you put them onto the board after moving a little telescope around the sky. All of you are doing this together. Now, the core here is that there's, there's just a couple of little pushes and pulls because there's a few different ways to get points. So you start off with a few cards that are almost like the root cards in Ticket to Ride. Like you mm -hmm. get like, ah, you want to get the, the, the baffling wallaby. I can't remember the names of the constellations. You want to do a plow for points. <laughs> I want to do a plow. The but plow's the no, only one I know. But everything has like, <laughs> a, it, they're not the real constellations. Like because there's a mended teapot, I think. Yeah. And like a charming salamander. Joyful dancer. A, yeah. The knockoff yeah. plow. The knockoff, <laughs> the, the stolen plow. Um, uh, yeah. The three-inch cat. <laughs> <laughs> Come um, on! Yeah. <laughs> so you will so get good. two constellations <laughs> that you want to be discovered by the end of the game. Now, that sounds... I looked at those and I was like, oh, okay, it's right, ticket to drive, you've got to build a route between them. But the key here is that anybody discovering them will get you those points. Mm. So you almost want to, like push people towards them and make them be encouraged to go over there <laughs> and like give them the temptation to finish off the job for you because that will save you time. Do, do they know the shape that they're, are you just unwittingly trying to get them to craft a shape that yeah. they don't know they're making? Like they're chasing someone on a field to get them to draw something rude on a GPS? Or yes. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, no, and, uh, because the way that it works is that you can move one constellation down a little chain, but once the constellation has been completely discovered, so all of the stars are in it, it's just a free space now. Anyone can move, move on it. But 
if it's not completely discovered, if you can go on somewhere and finish it for someone else when it's already been started, mm. you can get another go. So there's this temptation to be like, oh, well, actually, I will be able to get over to there if I can finish this and this. So it's about almost leaving, like, tempting traps for people, except those traps might just be something that's going to help them. And it's, it's weird. On top of this, you've got, like, at the beginning of your turn, you, remove, you move a card, and it's like, oh, we'll give you a point if you don't use any blue stars today. I'm getting, like, passive-aggressive psyops uh, vibes from the description, <laughs> which doesn't really gel with the illustration we have on the board, which is a the most cheery, saccharine, cuddly heart-style star I've ever seen in my life. It was life. the first... Tom, I did literally send you a picture of this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is this not art from the game? Is this Tom That's not art from the game. <laughs> the game itself know. is incredibly classy looking like because yeah, yeah, i played yeah, yeah. a bit right, on the first day so it's, yeah and this isn't classy no don't be rude to my friend <laughs> can i just say yeah. i'm so glad that isn't the art and, uh, <laughs> and uh, shall i get the actual art shall i have a little google no 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 it's fine I'm, right. just, I'm just glad that i know that's not the art and that people in the room know that's not the art <laughs> let's move on um yeah no it's just i think there's just a, enough pushes and pulls for it to be a nice sweet little game uh, also, I won when I played, and I like that. <laughs> I didn't win, but I wasn't playing with Pip, so at least I didn't get beaten by Pip again. Right, <laughs> let's move on. Um, Tom, would you like to talk about Spacebound by Deepwater Games, which, talk about games that aren't out, this isn't even finished. This is so not out. This is so not out that it had a thing that said, please don't take pictures of the game, and so we didn't. We haven't got a slide for this, for this one. Um, Spacebound is pitched as a, a 4X dexterity game in which you're, like, sort of doing cool space stuff. You're playing T... You're not playing TI. You're playing a sort of complicated space strategy resource management thing. And it's by... Oh, is it by oh, Matt Leacock? Yeah. It's by Matt Leacock. A little game called Pandemic. Pandemic. And then a slightly bigger little game called Pandemic Legacy. Whoa. So hang on, just, just for people on 4Xs, you know, expand. It's basically like these gigantic, like, civilization video games where you make a massive empire, you attack, you go to war, you collect resources, you make more things, you do research. But this time you do it with it's your fingers. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Is it 100? Please tell me it's 100% Tiddlywinks. Please tell me it's 100% Tiddlywinks space 4X I've been waiting for. It's pretty close. It's very close. <laughs> <laughs> It's Tiddlywinks with magnets. Oh, yeah. oh I so, was literally just about to say the exciting thing about dexterity in places that gravity is really weird and unpredictable, but also very predictable, but also really complicated in maths. I and just, it's got magnets! <laughs> I just think it's amazing that my fever dream has spawned a new game, Live at Sharks. <laughs> Wait, is it, do you think... Okay, you know, let's not get into that. <laughs> <laughs> so, n not only, you know, we, we, this is a prototype, it wasn't finished, and like we, we didn't even really play it, we just touched some of the pieces a bit. So this is going to be a real shaky segment. <laughs> but essentially, the way that the game works is that you're going to have like a little spaceship, and you flick it around this big empty galaxy. You can play the game on any kind of table. You can play it on a tiny table, or a bigger table, or an even bigger table, or, or a floor, floor, which is kind of amazing. Um, and there's something kind of cute about the fact that like relative distance changes depending on what size table you're using. Oh, that's great. So there's these little rulers that are like, you need to be this close to a planet if you're playing on a little table, but you need to be this close to a planet if you're playing on the floor. Yeah. It's kind of delightful. So you flick these little ships around, they can carry cargo, they can carry passengers, you drop them off on planets to create buildings and resources and do this little kind of spacey management game, but at some point you're going to want to hit someone with a big rock, and that's where you have these ships that have cannons loaded into them, and they are amazing. They have a little hole that you sort of feed a bullet into, which is this fat, chunky sort of cylinder that you slot into this hungry mouth of a playing piece that has a magnet 
magnet in the base and an opposing magnet in the base of the, the bullet, you kind of pull it back and then the tension of the magnets pushing against each other goes <laughs> and you fire it to try and knock resources off planets. And there is also a huge marble that you roll off a sort of bowling style, I don't know what you call it's it, very the ramp. Indiana Jones and the, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just point a giant steel marble at a planet. What happened? You, Tom said, try this. And it was like, <laughs> aim for this. And so I had my giant um, like magnet and I roll it off this bowling style ramp, being like, okay, I think I'm gonna hit it. And it rolls past the ship, <laughs> keeps going and hits a planet that's just behind it, destroying the planet that was like the next galaxy over. <laughs> Matt is nodding like he, he he'll, space. he'll play this game. <laughs> I love the, the, the fact that these sort of the projectiles are as big as the planets themselves is absolutely terrifying and really quite dark if you think about it. <laughs> just cleaving a planet in half. It's just horrible, but it's a little toy. It's great. Uh, yeah, well maybe it'll be great. We don't know. Yeah, <laughs> you weren't even allowed to take photos of it because it's ugly. I feel like there's something weird. Like There's the concept of the great filter, isn't there? Which is the idea that we, like it's weird that we haven't met aliens yet so maybe there's something that's stopping it from being possible to reach other alien civilizations and apparently that might be that the, the universe is just a big dexterity game <laughs> <laughs> and like, people are really bad with their fingers and it's for the best that we haven't had contact yet because it would just be a massive marble <laughs> <laughs> game over <laughs> got another game here that I don't know anything about um, we've got Flick Fleck published by Zoc Verlag now the, the, the <laughs> so this, might oh, this isn't what I expected at all. <laughs> this might be my game of the convention. Uh, so I played this with Board Game Barrage. Uh, they had it all laid out on the table. I sat down, they went, we're going to play this right now. No time for small talk. It's time for Flick Flat. <laughs> the way this game works is I'm going to use my bad pun that I'd used on their podcast. It's Calcasson. Uh, you've, <laughs> you've got a big empty cow and a whole bunch of tiles in the middle of the table that you're going to galaxy trucker style. Actually, it, it's not real time. You're not scrambling for the pieces of cow. You just hover your hand over, you pick one, and then everyone at the table has to say, how cow, wow, now, and then you may retrieve the piece from the center. <laughs> Board Game Barrage, they, they don't mess around. We said that so many times. <laughs> Came a sort of cult-like chant. You pick it up and then you may place it onto your cow, but the like edges have to connect to like edges. It's like a game that you could teach to like an infant, uh, which is why I loved it. Uh, so you have to match all the patterns on the cow and the first person to finish their cow wins. And, and that's the whole game. What happens if you piece up a piece of what I'm, a, a square of what I can only refer to as cow skin, <laughs> um, and you can't fit it onto your board? Oh, I forgot about the other rule that Board Game Barrage invented, uh, <laughs> but also I think should be just written into the rule book, which is if, so you, if you can't fit a piece, you just bin it, you just lose a turn basically, which okay. means that, um, again, the tagline for this game is more strategic than you might think. <laughs> um, so if you've got a that's piece. That's my tagline. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have a piece, that doesn't fit, you just chuck it away. You just lose a turn, basically. Um, and their house rules, you have to, you have to literally, to, to make it make sense that it's called flick fleck, you sort of flick it at the box and hit the box. But then the problem was is that we all had, at the end of the game, one space each, so we needed a very specific tile to go in. And it was round after round after round that we all went, how cow wow now? Nope. How cow wow now? Nope. They're just flinging them away. None of us finished our cows. We ran out of tiles. Everyone just had one single piece left. Oh, it was brutal. And it's the best game ever made. Uh, <laughs> I've got to be honest, for the entirety of this segment, my brain has been saying, Galaxy Trudder? <laughs> and it hasn't been happy about it, but it's out there now, it's yours. Galactating? Oh. That's not, that, that was nothing. This. I mean, it was something. Galaxy actually does come from the root of the word milk. That's, what? Yeah. 
Gal Galaxy is Latin for Milky Way. Ah, uh, makes sense. <sighs> this also has asymmetrical cows. <laughs> the audience, I think, were just laughing at the face I pulled. <laughs> <laughs> it's like my mind jigsawed together, but like it's... You know when, like, like, if you imagine my head, it's like two jigsaw pieces coming together, but they don't actually fit. <laughs> and then <laughs> it's just like trying to thumb them together and then be like, I don't understand this. I want to play the cow game. Well, let's find the, we play the yeah, cow let's game? Yeah, let's find the cow game. Yeah. I want to play the cow game. We're just going to end this podcast with some personal highlights. So this is more like a freewheeling segment. We can talk about whatever. Matt, well, what we've been doing at the convention. You can talk about, yeah, no. <laughs> oh, wow. We can, we can take turns. Right. Do you want to go first, start? Matt? <laughs> So actually, to be honest, it's been a very unusual convention in the fact that most uh, shucks I spend most of the weekend in the theatre, but that's because I'm on the stage all the time or making the tech not break. Thankfully, this year, the tech has not broken and the people running it all have been super and haven't had any issues with it, which is great. Um, but I have still spent most of the time I've been at the convention in the theatre, um, just uh, hiding at the back of the room. <laughs> Uh, watching panels, which has actually been really nice. It's been really fun just get to watch the panels that, and they've been really good. <laughs> really enjoyed them. It's like really entertaining stuff. I afterwards at the end I've come up and I've said thank you to people and then said oh I'll leave you alone now but thanks. Wow. I just really enjoyed the show. It's been really really lovely. Uh, I've spent a lot of time actually just sitting and watching Alan Girding run RPGs for people uh, with my mum, which is a standard <laughs> thing to do at your own convention. Just sit with your mum and watch people play RPGs and do uh, sound effects. I didn't know your parents were here and I said like, oh, do you know where Matt is? And someone, yeah, he's, freak out. he's yeah, sleeping hilarious. on his mum. <laughs> and I was like, is this a Canadian thing? I, I, I wasn't sleeping on my mum. I was just resting my eyes. <laughs> but it would have been fine if I was. Mm. You know, Matt, I, I, there's one panel I wanted to talk about, which I think you saw some of, which was the Inhuman Conditions panel. Yeah, I enjoyed that. So if you haven't seen Tom's excellent uh, review of Inhuman Conditions, it's a, uh, a game of the Voigtkampf test from Blade Runner where a sort of weird d incompetent detective is trying to determine if the player opposite them is a robot or a human. The robots have weird limitations and might be trying to kill you. Uh, the humans are just trying to get by. Um, but we played, we played this with a weird custom variant because there were four of us on the panel. So we had, you know, sometimes two cops will interrogate someone, but, we also, but there happened to be three of us. So we had three police interrogating one person with a time limit. And that was amazing because when you have five, limit, five minutes to talk uh, to a subject, it's awfully easy to just start talking among each other oh, as it police. Was, it, was it was Clown Car Central. I mean, watching it was hilarious. You were like, three cops interrogating one person? <laughs> They're in trouble now. <laughs> three v one, when actually you, you three were just going, ah, da, 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 what are we doing? Yeah. And then but it's like, somebody like, turns around and goes, I'm a robot and I'm killing you all now. During, during the small talk, the third member of the interrogation team might go completely rogue and just shoot the... Yeah. Shoot the I was right to do that. <laughs> I'm I still annoyed enjoy. about that. You still have the system at any point, any one of you who go, I've shot them. <laughs> Which is not, you know. And the other two are like, wait, what? <laughs> when did, oh no. I like the mental image that it's three cops sharing a single gun that's in front of the table. <laughs> uh, wow, that was great. Uh, did you two have any particular highlights you wanted to shout out? Well, I, I should point out actually that the RPGs we watched were Mothership which was obviously a very popular RPG now, it's very good, but also Alan was running his, his new uh, RPG that he's been working on called Father Fog, which takes, I believe, some of the kind of Mothership-style systems and adds some new ones, and it's very much like kind of uh, dark fairy tale fantasy, but it seemed like actually some of the most interesting stuff about it was some of the, the, some of the systems within it. 
but it was very enjoyable to watch. Um, <laughs> it's the best modelling of despair I've seen in a role-playing game. Yeah. And weirdly, I've played quite a lot of games about despair. I mean, <laughs> that doesn't seem like a surprise to me, if I'm honest, Ava. Uh, would you like to describe the despair system? Um, well, it's just this thing of uh, all, all through the game, whenever you fail a role um, or whenever you fail certain types of role, um, you, lo you will lose a bit of hope if you fail. And a bit is, it's a D100 system and you're trying to run low, but the bit will be the size of the unit's value. So the, 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 the D10 that's just doing one. So you will lose between zero and nine hope every time you fail. You start off with 100 and there's an awareness when anything really bad happens, you have to roll against your hope. So constantly through the game, you're losing these dribs and drabs and dribs and drabs and dribs and drabs of hope, knowing that every single one is making it slightly more likely that something horrible is going to happen, <laughs> and you do not know what it is at all. And this is fairy tale horror, but then right? There was a system yeah. whereby, like, there was the the despair system as well. There was, you, you were talking about it, and I didn't quite understand because I missed the start of the thing. So despair is just, I think despair is the role that might go wrong when you're right. rolling against hope. So if you roll, so you find out how despairing you are, if you've got enough hope to do it. However, this has also got a thing that I think is taken from Mothership that is, as well as failing that role, if you, f you fail by getting a high number, but also, when you fail this hope roll, the result you get is on a big D100 table of 100 different possible things that can happen when you lose all hope. This, the high numbers are actually not that bad. So if you fail just because you got a very bad roll when you had high hope, it won't be that bad. If your hope has got down really, really low, like... Yeah. I'm, I don't want to spoil anything, but Alan told us some of the things that happen when you fail oh, you when your hope is low. you spoil a little lick of it. Like, what, what was the it? The one what he mentioned was that it, one of the, the very bad ones that you can just, suddenly your character will just evaporate into smoke. <laughs> and into like, and all of your belongings and clothes will just fall to the floor. And it's just like, <laughs> you just cease to exist. So to clarify, this, isn't, this, is, this is a fairy tale. It's not <laughs> fairy real. Tale horror. It's not real, don't worry about it. <laughs> um, didn't, it didn't really happen. No one was really harmed. Um, but yeah, there was some handsome, there was some like uh, old woman in a shoe vibes today. Yeah. Old, old woman in a shoe. I ended up the story hiding in a pile of bluebeards' wives' corpses. Yeah. Um, which was a cliffhanger. So yeah, if like, we ever, that's it. I'm, I'm there forever now. <laughs> the general vibe is there was an old woman who lived in a shoe and Isaac Vega at some point tried to smash her in the face with a hammer. <laughs> I think they really like smashing things with hammers. He did. <laughs> I did notice that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have anything you wanted to shout out during uh, the con? We, well, we can talk about that we played Dodo's Riding Dinos, maybe, that has some of the most fantastic miniatures I've ever seen in the game. It's a great... I mean, I think I actually have... Oh! Uh, 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 hey! Uh, some fantastic little miniatures. Yeah, we have like a, an excellent Mexican publisher that I hadn't uh, been before on the, sh on, the, on the show floor now. Uh, I, it's either Detestable Games or Draco Studios. Draco Studios. Draco Studios, great. Um, from Mexico, which is very exciting to me. Dodo's Riding Dinos is basically what if there was a Mario Kart board game. Which is, so it's a sort of like, you play cards and move your dinosaurs and it's a race. And I honestly, like, I've said this before, like there should be more race board games because they're the foundation of like so much board game history. Anyway, point is, this is like Mario Kart because you are racing, but occasionally you physically throw wooden bananas at people's meeples on the board. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, Pip, you were saying as as 
you were saying, like these are just fantastic sculpts, right? Like these dinosaurs yeah. are just terrific. They're so charming and like so um, energetic, you know? Like there are so many uh, games out there where like you get the minis and it's kind of like, oh, okay, they're, they're standing, they've got their pose, the Madame Tussauds kind of, these are just <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, inc full of so much dynamism. It's so good. And like, <laughs> not even trying. But I think as a studio, that feels like their hallmark is like having a real like charming art touch. Yeah, 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 100%. And what was really nice is, you know, you're racing around this island, it's all very dinosaur-y. And then, of course, naturally, if you flip over the board, the hard course is you're running, you're racing the dinos on a nebula, and in the very far background, you can see the island you were racing on before in a kind of <laughs> rainbow road style. <laughs> And it turns out that uh, Draco Studios and the game they're working on right now, now they've adapted something like Mario Kart, they're working on something like Mario Party as a board game, which I am so amped to try. <laughs> um, the game I wanted to shout out uh, is uh, over in the Indian Avenue. This is uh, Hot Potatoes, the card game uh, by Stephanie Nguyen, who's a new designer. And let me tell... <laughs> Someone has played this game a great... It is, okay, I'm just going to say there's no other way. Light party game where you're, you're, a hand, you're holding a hand of cards who are all slutty potatoes. <laughs> um, and Every potato is a slutty potato in my house. <laughs> um, I, I love carbs. Did you raise this boy? <laughs> <laughs> I, if you get the chance to just walk past and look closely at the art of hot potatoes, because um, uh, it's all Stephanie's art and it is... It's, it perfectly straddles the line between, yeah, these potatoes are sexy, and I, I wish they weren't. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> but I also want the to... The twerky potato is my fave. Oh, no, it's, it's, it's like, but also the low-ranked potatoes who are trying to be sexy. I feel like this is yet another Sharks where a game has awakened, awakened something in We've slowly, every Sharks you reveal like a pie chart segment of my sexuality. <laughs> and every uh, time it's a root vegetable. <laughs> it was Mermaid's last Sharks, thanks, <laughs> Tom. <laughs> um... <laughs> I like mermaids. It's not even a joke. It's true. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, Banshee told us a lot. <laughs> the thing that I really liked about uh, the booth, the Hot Potatoes booth, is that in addition to designing the game and doing the art, uh, Stephanie Yuen built a potato costume that her cousin has to wear while it shucks. <laughs> like, it's not... and it's, you, It looks like... Cause it's really well made. It, this potato that uh, her cousin gets in looks like something she's bought. It's not. She made it herself, and the only way you'd know that is the person wearing the costume is totally blind. LAUGHTER uh, uh, so just, yeah, it's just a lovely booth, so do, uh, oh, and also I should mention Hot Potatoes the card game is on Kickstarter right now, so if you want to look at, again, really can't overstress just how dirty these potatoes are, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's something that you can do. Uh, we've got Hot left Potato Dark Wins. Is there anything we want to wrap up before, uh, before we uh, let these fine people go? I just wanted to say that it's been so lovely to be able to actually play so many things like this time around, because usually we're sort of running pillar to post kind of thing. Yep. And just like actually sitting down with my friends and Are playing you trying board to, games to make, make Matt go, go green with jealousy? <laughs> it is what it is. I mean, I, I haven't felt that bad. I've felt better, I've felt worse. I mean, I'm really thrilled the fact that, yeah, I, I did have to tap out for basically 70% of the convention, but it didn't really matter in a nice way. Everyone was able to continue doing things. It wasn't a massive stress for people. Everything still worked and you all had a lot of fun by the sounds of it. Yeah. And the great thing is that, yes, I wasn't on these panels and you had other people on instead, 
That was great, yeah. As a colleague, like, you know, I, I trusted you all to do a good job of it, and I also knew the whole time that, like, I have video recordings of it as well <laughs> to make sure that everyone did do a good job. So, so many people said so many lovely things at the signing, actually. They were like, where's Matt? Is Matt okay? You know, like, send him our love. That's very <laughs> it's sweet. so sweet. Thankfully, so nice. I was replaced with a cartoon shark. Oh, yeah. Which 100%. I think is, like, on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you all so much for coming to our podcast, even though you can download it on your phone later. If you didn't realise that, I can only apologise. <laughs> Give yourself a round of applause, everybody. Thank you.